Thanks for joining me for the Pray for Micah podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review, and check out my YouTube channel and follow me on social media. Pray for Micah Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Pray for Micah podcast. And now your host, Micah Chrisman. Hello, welcome to the Pray for Micah podcast, where we explore art, activism, spirituality, and our cosmic significance slash insignificance. Today, uh, we're going to start off with a Pray for Micah story before we introduce our guests, because I have a pretty funny, embarrassing story that happened to me, and I just wanted to make sure all of you embarrassing story hungry people get a chance to laugh at my expense. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, time for a Pray for Micah story. <laughs> so, uh, for Christmas, uh, I decided to purchase a backpack or backpack carrier for my cat. Cat backpack carrier. <laughs> okay. And uh, that's just like a way to like basically take my dog on a walk and simultaneously have my cat Pumbaa in the backpack. And he's got like little windows that he can like peek out of. And so I'm picturing like we're going to go on this like family, like Instagram worthy, like walk <laughs> where we're all like chilling and hanging out. And uh, I go ahead and get him in the backpack and I walk around my house for a few minutes with him in it. And I'm like, okay. No squirming, no meowing, no no cursing at me. Like, we're going to try this. Let's go to the park. So I go to the park with my dog, Rayla, and my cat, Pumbaa. And uh, we start walking on the trail. And five minutes in, my cat starts going, meow, um, meow. <laughs> and I was just like, well, he just probably needs to get used to the bouncing parts. And so I was just like determined, like, oh, let's just keep going. And I want to get my walk in, you know. And... Fifteen minutes later, I, I realize uh, everything is fucking falling apart, and my cat is now, and he's like clawing and kicking around in my backpack, and I was like, okay, all right, this is a bad choice. I should go ahead and turn around and head back, but now I'm fifteen minutes further down the trail, so now altogether it's gonna be a thirty-minute round trip to get back. <laughs> Next thing I know, I start smelling shit oh, and piss, no. and my cat is having a like major meltdown on this hiking trail, and I'm walking past these people on the trail, and they're just like seeing the spectacle of me walking my dog, and the backpack on my back is just like shaking and like moving, and they're probably just like, what is that smell? Who's this guy walking by? Oh, it was terrible. I had to like get him home and immediately get him into a bath and start giving him a shower. Uh, so uh, everybody, that was my story. Be praying for me. You know, your Instagram worthy. <laughs> my Instagram, Instagram worthy, worthy animal <laughs> backpack experience. 
just know that for all the thousands of takes, you see those Instagram couples with their pets on trails. Like. You, di- you didn't see <laughs> the shitstorm that those animals caused <laughs> on the side quests. <laughs> that was the, the beginning of the story. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was the beginning of the story. It was not the end result, for sure. <laughs> so be praying for Pumbaa. Uh, he was pretty traumatized afterwards. I gave him a bath and... Uh, you know, Homework after a thanks. while, he was mad at me, but then he kind of hopped up my lap and was like trying to get warm because now he's cold yeah. from being wet. And he, I was like, we made up, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, buddy, I won't I won't make you go on a hike anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that's that's our that's the story of the week. I'm sticking by it. Everybody, if you want to hit me up, uh, pray for Micapod at Gmail dot com. I want to start a new thing where we're going to maybe do a segment called Prayers for the People. And so if you have a funny, embarrassing uh, story similar to that experience, it doesn't have to be that long-winded, but you could share something with me. Send me an email, and it can either have your name or be anonymous, but I think it would be funny. People start submitting their prayers to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's give to uh, introducing our guests for the evening. We have Diocelyn Tot in the house. Hey. And she was born in Guatemala and has made Kansas City, Kansas her home ever since. Uh, Her community organization roots can be traced back to her time at Community Housing of Wyandotte County. She was one of the founders of the Art Squad, and the Art Squad taught classes art classes on the street corners and also painted murals and alleyways and cleaned debris to make them safe for kids they have uh, painted over 50 murals and alleyways to abate gang graffiti of the urban core of kansas city kansas Uh, her community engagement work has also included greening and entrepreneurial initiatives and there's so much (laughs) i could say about this woman she's such an incredible person i got to know her through our project of DocuCourse, Art and Advocacy. Go check it out, docucourse.org. And you can watch her, like literally a documentary about her life. And maybe not her whole life story. I mean, it's only 45 minutes. uh, But she gives also community strategies and uh, like just trainings of how to replicate and do something similar in your own neighborhood. So we got an artist in the house, Diocelyn, welcome. Thank you, thank you. I'm excited to be here and all the conversations that we're going to have. So Diocelyn, since we kind of released your documentary and, uh, you know, I'd I'd like to folks to go and actually watch it to hear some of your life story and, and kind of experience your journey more in that kind of visual film format. But for folks who haven't seen it, I didn't know if you could give us the high elevated like overview of your journey coming from Guatemala as a kid to now being an artist here in the KCK area. Yes. Okay. So I will try to keep it short. (laughs) You're probably going to have to edit this. (laughs) No, no. We're just going to go for the whole hero's journey version of it, you know. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll try to keep it not long-winded, but who knows? Can't promise. So, um, all right. So, my story pretty much started in Guatemala. I was born in Guatemala, Mazatenango, to be specific. Yeah. It has a longer name, Mazatenango Suchitepec. Oh, really? But when I Give say us that, the full name. That when I say that, everybody keeps me these eyes. They're <laughs> like, what did you just say? <laughs> so, Guatemala for short. 
I was born there, and my parents brought me here when I was six years old. So around six years old, honestly, I really didn't understand what was happening besides I'm going to somewhere different. And different really didn't register to me until later on in my years. My first memory in the U.S. was snow. I've never seen snow. Really? Yeah. Guatemala is known as the eternal spring, so it's always raining. So snow was something big. But after two days, me and my sister were done with it. We were <laughs> really just yeah, like, okay, we're good. It's about how it's it fun. is. It's cold. <laughs> 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 our fingers are freezing. What is this? Went into, you know, back into our home. And that's, that's where my story kind of started. It was a big shift. I used to go to a private school in Guatemala. I had, um, like, my dog had a house in our house type thing. <laughs> we were really fortunate when we were in Guatemala. I really didn't understand why we were so fortunate. I understand it now, what my dad was doing, you know, sending back money, dollars, etc. Mm-hmm. You obviously could live a better life. And that's what my parents did. But my mom really wanted us to get back there, like back with them with my dad and my mom. Since they were gone for maybe, honestly, I can't remember, one or two years. So I lived with my oldest sister <laughs> in my young years. But when my mom decided to bring us over, um, she got our passports. She got everything done. Again, I just knew I was going to come home to dad and mom. Hmm. And I was super excited about that. Ended up leaving. Um, everybody was good at the airport. And I was the one who started crying for a candy. Hmm. For a candy, y'all. That's what I did. And how old were you? You said you were six. six. Okay. I was six. So I just started crying and throwing a tantrum for a candy. And that's what spearheaded all of the crying for my family. <laughs> <laughs> so Sometimes yeah. you just need someone to open up the waterworks, right? Yeah. Like, just get the, for a candy. Get the flow going. <laughs> and then it's like, we're all leaving our home. This yeah. is so heavy. <laughs> so that's, that's what I remember. Then ended up coming to Texas, which was my first time encountering police and kind of getting that sense of what was truly going to happen throughout my life. And then, yeah, years passed, got here, saw my dad, saw the snow, was very happy. Think Things kind of shifted, right? I started understanding that I was going to be, this was my new home, and I had to learn a new language. It took forever to find an elementary school because I kept looking for people that spoke Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> And eventually, I went to a school that a girl named Fabi, I still remember her. She's the sweetest pie and lives in Wyandotte still. And she was the one who said hi to me, kind of got my hand, and that's how I started. Just went to school. Then afterwards, around 12 years of age, because it was pretty standard from there, I started working on community engagement, and I started learning my status, my legal status, per se, I wasn't quite sure what it truly meant. I just knew I was different. So from there, <coughs> from there, um, it, it was a, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, to be honest with you, Micah. It yeah. was a kind of on and off type thing. Like there were certain things that happened that I would be like, oh, why are they happening that way? Or why do we have to do it that way? Mm-hmm. I learned how to drive at the age of 12, 13, just in case of emergencies, right? They were teaching my sister. So they decided to teach me just in case I needed to act on what moment. Again, in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm getting taught how to drive. I'm cool. I'm so young. Right, a kid would. (laughs) Right. You're just like. Yeah, it was, for me, it was all fun and games until I finally understood, like, oh, this is for emergencies. This is what happens if I need to act for X, Y, Z. 
So things like that kind of started showing up. My sister, um, my middle sister, during my teenage years, after 12 years old, she came out. And then that created a whole different shift in my family as well. So I'm a pastor's daughter. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome, welcome to the t- world of Trump. No, welcome kidding. to the club. <laughs> welcome to the PK club. Oh, man. And it was good. Um, and it was, you know, it had its good and it's had its bad. Um, because we obviously are put into a standard that we have to elevate ourselves at a young age and make sure that that's how people are seeing us because that's what they expect. So things like that kind of started coming up in my family. What did it mean to have my sister come out? What did it mean for my dad's position? What did it mean for us as a whole, um, for our culture? Because, again, you know, Hispanics are kind of conservative. Yeah. We're very religious. We stick to (laughs) our guns. Very family branch, nuclear family vibes, all these things. So all of that was challenged when I was a teenage girl. And honestly, the biggest thing that I can remember is just understanding that I love my sister no matter what. And mm. that's what kind of got me through all of the confusion because it was very confusing, very confusing. My sister ended up leaving and I got more involved in community engagement to, you know, try to keep my mind busy. I was a really good student really great in my academics very bad behavior <laughs> so i remember you saying the middle school is like your problem child year oh you know, man that was, that was once, those were the fun once years. you teach her how to drive man all of a sudden she's, yeah. she's got an attitude <laughs> she's got an attitude as you hear if y'all remember me in middle school i am so sorry y'all <laughs> but pray we've for grown. those people pray yeah. for those <laughs> pray for lynn <laughs> <laughs> no but um you know, that's what was going on. Again, I can talk about it now because I understood what happened. But sure. during those years, I had no clue. I was just kind of going with the flow, feeling how I was feeling, saying what I was saying without really understanding what I was going through. Mm. So teenage years were a little tough. And that's when my immigration pathway started. So it kind of all kind of ties together, right? My sister came out. All of these things happened. Things started shifting. And unfortunately, a couple of years after a crime was committed to my family, and that's how we started a pathway to citizenship. So there's a thing called U visas. You may not hear often about them because when somebody has a U visa, it's because something traumatic happened to them. Really? You're not talking about a simple like. This isn't DACA recipient no, stuff. It's totally different. Totally different pathway. Yeah. The U visa. Something really again traumatic has to happen. Something heavy where you're helping cops or police officers etc find out who the person was that committed the crime so it's, it has a huge thing to hmm. connecting and making sure that there's good citizens out here so because of that we found a pathway to citizenship which i call our blessing in disguise because it was really hard to understand and those were the years that truly had me everywhere and everything at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> all at once, man. All at once. I would not wish it on anybody. But it was, it really was what shaped me. It, it just, I started harboring myself in certain projects. I started trying to figure out why my behavior was as such. Mm. Um, try to understand what was happening with my family. There was all these components. And you know, the citizenship pathway, there was a lot of courts. There was a lot of retelling the story, 
resharing what had happened, understanding what were the consequences, what were the pathways, the processes, etc. All of these things. And just seeing the ripple effects that was having in my family. That was hard. But that was just the beginning, to be honest with you. It was what kind of started the shifts in all my life and started putting me in the right places with the right people, I want to say. Because I had really great mentors, really great individuals in the community that really protected me and lifted me up during those years. Because when things were happening and I was trying to understand that, eventually I got to my senior year, right? College, supposed to be happy, all these applications. <laughs> I had done all this volunteer work, resources, um, anything that you can think of about bilingualism. I probably did. I interpreted <laughs> XYZ things. <laughs> and I was doing research and I was doing all these different things, right? But what happened then is that I had a full ride scholarship and that full ride scholarship was from one day to another taken away from me. And it wasn't only taken away from me. Really? It was like 300 plus students in one room when we got told that if you weren't a citizen um, and you were in this program for years, it didn't matter. It counted if you were a citizen or not. And if you weren't a citizen, you weren't going to get this full ride scholarship. So they just pulled the rug right out from underneath all of you. Yeah. Wow. And, and they so waited till they had 300 people in one room and they're like, okay, now this is where we're going. And honestly, it was my first experience of lack of education, of not understanding the immigration systems, because I don't think it was done with malintent. I think it was just that lack of exposure of understanding what it truly was, which I'll come back to this because it was later on the years <laughs> that I found something out that was pretty cool. But at the same time, I was like, uh, you got to be kidding me. Um, so again, because they pulled the rug out of us, it was, you know, we went from a class of 300 to like 150 in a second. We were all trying to figure out what did that mean to us? I saw my friends devastated, crying. Mm. I was devastated, crying, um, trying to figure out like, what am I doing? Why should I try at school? It was my senior year, August, October, you know, I'm supposed to be having all these thrills and was not it what my senior year turned out to be was getting lawyers getting people to understand what my status was being on the phone for long times mm. and yeah bu bureaucracy and paperwork it sounds yeah like. it was just reliving everything that i didn't realize that i was gonna have to relive i mm. think for a second in my head as a teenager i thought okay this is done and it was not <laughs> um but again, another blessing in disguise, because that's what really rerouted my whole career afterwards. Um, after I was able to retain my scholarship, after I was able to get universities and schools to see my applications for college and truly see the work that I was bringing in, it all started getting easier or I knew how to navigate it. But I didn't want to I wanted to become a doctor and that just kind of completely fell out. I'm like, no. Being a doctor means I'm at the very end when people already are sick or when they're out of resources, et cetera, right? Mm. And I've done a lot of triage. I've done a lot of medical interpreting. So I didn't want to do that. And because I understood the resources, because I understood the pathways by the age of 21, 20, pretty much, I decided to reroute my whole career. And hence it comes, everything that I had done with my community building and engagement, all the projects that did artwork and revitalization and entrepreneurship, all of it came handy um, 
because it makes sense at that moment. I just needed to find a title for it. Once I found the career for it, I just kind of went in depth, learned more about advocacy, got stronger, um, rerouted all my skills and all my experiences and started using the advocacy portion to everything that I had been taught. It started with creativity, ended up with advocacy, and then it was just a mix of everything. Wow. And <laughs> that is what ignited everything else that you guys are going to hear and see in the DocuCourse when it talks about my story. It talks about the hurdles, but it also talks about all the great experiences and the people that were there, everything that I used for my citizenship process because everybody that saw me do the work were references. Mm -hmm. There were letters of recommendation of stating, yes, she is a good citizen. She has done this. She has done that. All of it came very much in handy. So I already had known multiple people by, I was by the age of 21. And again, it was just kind of like the perfect fit, right? Of just being like, huh, this is where I'm supposed to be at. I know this and just started doing what I knew and just, it just naturally came. So. Because you were 13 years old, right? When you started. 12, 13, yeah. 12, 13, kind of, um, I forget his name. It was. Um, Steve Curtis. Steve. Yes. Okay. That's how I was trying to remember. I was like, it's not Nils. That, that came later with the UMKC mm -hmm. kind of partnering with you all but um it's you, ku ku <laughs> you, See, yeah. don't don't listen don't get to me mad if I, you only, say UMKC. I only work at this job <laughs> I, I i'm only the communications marketing you know, person only. for this yeah <laughs> you know i i yeah don't don't listen to me I, i've had apparently too many whiskey sours so <laughs> ku uh but you all basically revitalized urban station and yeah. you want to share a little bit about what that looked like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, were you 13 at that time? when? You so, started? no. Was uh, that a little later? That's later. So, from age 13 to 24, I worked in community building engagement, and I did over eight projects. Revitalizing um, pocket parks, which were bacon lots, turned into small parks. Revitalized a whole park. <laughs> they had a ceramic studio. We did a coffee shop. We did art classes. We did gardens. We did murals. We did lights. We did all these different things. So um, that was all from age 12 to 24, which I talk about my mobilizing skills. That was my foundation for mobilizing. I knew how to talk to people. I knew how to do resources. What I added on after I graduated at the age of 24 from KU, debt-free, I may add, because I got <laughs> my scholarship back. I bought it back, y'all. Yeah, you got it. I got it back, and I got everything paid for Um Heck yeah. Yes, which, you know, was a big accomplishment. But at the age of 24, that's when I went into my first advocacy project at El Centro. And I started immigration and voter engagement projects. Kind of mm. developed the department, sustained some of the programs that were already there. And from there, because I was leaving community building and engagement and going more into the immigration portion, there was still a part of me that wanted to do that arts, creative, revitalization, community building projects. So I decided to start Urban Works with my business partner and longtime friend and mentor, Steve Curtis. With him, we came up with the idea of Urban Works to continue the projects that we already had done. We also thought about adding a portion of training others to do what we had done, like the love, the passion, the tips, the models, all of these different things, who were going to be the next art squad, who was going to be the next mm. generation that was going to take the baton from me. That was my next level of exposure, right? I've, I'd been the one that had been helped 
graciously and amazingly and it was time for me to figure out how I was going to help. So we decided with Urban Works, we decided that we couldn't just turn around and not see what we already saw. (laughs) Yeah. And that's when we created the projects. Um, The first thing was finding a home and the home was Urban Station. It was another vacant spot in the community, um, over a decade vacant. And we decided to come in. It took us a couple months to convince the owners to know that we were going to be working with community and not revitalize it into an XYZ building of XYZ company and organization and renting space. (laughs) They didn't want that. They wanted it to be very much local as much as possible. So it did take us a couple months. We actually cleaned the station before we were able to own the station. (laughs) Again, another showcase. Um, And from there, we started working on it. All of the volunteer groups that we had worked with, all of the partners, all of the project um, teams that we had experienced and been exposed to for the past, man, decade. Yeah, right. (laughs) They all came. They all came and showed up and helped us get it done. So... The station has a lot of hands that can truly say that they brought all all of that together. It was not only us, but it was great to see everybody kind of show up. What a beautiful experience to like have that kind of culminate to that moment. I would imagine like I I wish I could go back in time because I didn't know about any of this in existence. Didn't know you existed until (laughs) we did this project together. Um, but if I could go to like that moment where you guys open those doors and like the youth probably like, oh, we have a space now where we can like mix our paints and get stuff ready for the murals and that, like, I'm sure I just picture you guys like at the very beginning, just like carrying paint cans and alleyways and like oh putting tarps and like <laughs> hauling stuff going on. And then you're like, oh, great. We can have a place that stores all of our supplies. And, yes. <laughs> and there's so much cool features to it. Cause like, uh, yeah, it just if you go check out the documentary, you can see all the like Mills talks about how they kind of incorporated repurposed wood and how there's just this aesthetic, like a rust, you know, like they rustic look to it. Yeah, yes. they, they kept some of those elements and then, but also modernized it, and so it's an actual yeah. art studio, an art like school. Yeah, essentially, and it's hands-on experience, especially for the architect students learning how to do all of these things, being in the community. It all has its it's great touch points from every corner that you see it, to be honest with you. I'm really proud of it. I'm just, when I think about the station and Urban Works, I'm like, yes, it's everything people-based. Everybody continues to show up. We're doing a good thing. <laughs> you know, they're all happy. I'm not hearing any complaints, so I think we're good. <laughs> Do you have, like, I don't know, a story or two you'd like to share about, like, oh. the top favorites of, like, the working station. with youth? I mean, I know there's the crazy story of, like, you guys out there and basically getting the cops called on you. Cause of course, you know, when teenagers are up to doing things in the streets, they must be up to no good, you know, yeah. of course. No. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, oh my God. There's been a couple memorable ones. Um, I think this, this past year we did internships and I kid around and I say, I found my mini me. <laughs> you <laughs> met her, Anisha. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, besides, like, love Anisha, and I do think to an extent that she is definitely a little bit of me when I was young. <laughs> Shout out to her. Shout I, out to I her. I got to work on a mural with her. <laughs> she She's a dedicated. character. She's a character. She's dedicated. <laughs> she, is, she is dedicated. But um, honestly, 
all of the teams were amazing to work with. But Anisha and Jaquel had just, it just hit some, somehow a little bit different. They, you know, it kind of, sometimes it clicks. And I think it definitely clicked for them understanding, like, they can do all these cool things and they can learn from it. And they're seeing all these different role models that are in their 20s and 30s. And, you know, it's just, I think seeing them get close with me and joke around with me, I'm their same height, <laughs> you know? It did surprise yeah. me when I found out, what are you, are you 30 or yeah. 31? 29. Oh, you're 29. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so you're not even 30 yet. But I'm not, I'm almost there. I'm I, was, almost there. I was surprised though. I was just like, yeah, I, yeah, you could easily be mistaken to be the same age as the same age group like (laughs) you're just one of the homies i am and they treat me like one and i I think that's what i really enjoyed it just reminded me of all the amazing memories i had when i was growing up and to just see them kind of get that and be able to turn it out as much as they want to turn it into it's really cool that definitely was a great one for me, seeing the younger version of what Steve had to deal with. And then understanding and telling Steve, thank you for being so patient. <laughs> thank, you. Yeah, yeah. thank you for sticking with us, because now I know. <laughs> That's what happens when you work with like younger people. You just end up like going back to your family or any kind of mentor, and you're just like... Thank you. I'm so sorry for what I did to you. Yes. <laughs> like, I see how what the grief these kids are putting me through. <laughs> that makes me realize immediately how much grief I put my mentors into through. It. Yes. I'm sitting there like, let me go buy you a coffee today. <laughs> now I get it. But that was that was one of the biggest one. I think just seeing them develop their personalities. Um, the other one, the other memorable one has been. Ashley and I'm name dropping here, so I hope they don't get mad. <laughs> hey, <laughs> They're going to be like, why are you There's talking no about There's no last us? names, you know, I guess, you know. <laughs> so if Ash- you throw out their address, they might get mad, you know. They no. might. They <laughs> might. Ashley, um, I think it's just the people that I see and the changes that I see in people that really thrill me through mm-hmm. the station. Ashley, when she came in, she would not say even hello to me. And it wasn't that she was being rude. She was just this shy. She was... She got there. She did what she had to do. And that was that. And she was ready to go. Right. And this last year, it was like a whole different actually. Like she was talking. She was leading her own thing. She knew everything I would be saying pretty much. Like I know sometimes I make no sense. And she was <laughs> like, yeah, you got you need this. OK, I got you. Or sometimes she wouldn't even say it before I even said it. And I'm like, man, you guys are great. <laughs> but um, again, I think just seeing her switch her personality and just seeing how much open she is. And man, this girl goes to Puerto Rico. She's going to all these different cities. And it's just amazing to see how much they open up. And it's just so easy afterwards for them to be like, oh, I can do this. Well, I saw I saw Lynn do it. I saw Dio do it. So she can talk like this. I can talk like this. I'm like, OK, I, I hope that that's a great sign for all of them. <laughs> Well, and I would think that by providing a space where they can express themselves through their creativity and then realize like, oh, this is something like I'm watching. You're modeling it for them, right? You're, yeah. you're like, hey, this is how you can like organize our community to like do something fun, but also it beautifies our space. And now next time you're all walking to school, you get to see the piece oh. you helped collaborate and work on. And yeah, that's. And all these things like I had them do paper mache <laughs> monkeys. They did not forget that. What was this? <laughs> paper mache monkeys. I had this idea. Oh, paper mache monkeys. <laughs> well, I didn't have it. Steve had it. 
So here's me and Steve are dreamers. I will never disclaim that. <laughs> Actually, that would be my fair warning to everybody. We are dreamers before we are people that see realism mm-hmm. and the actual factors. <laughs> but we see them eventually. <laughs> but we are dreamers. And Steve one day came in and he was like, oh, man, I saw this paper mache monkey. I think it would be really cool if we do it. And he just started talking about that. And then I'm like, what about if we have several paper mache monkeys? I'll learn how to make them. So I honestly went to my cousin. He works in construction. Asked him for some, you know, thing that I can maneuver and um, twist and turn as much as I can. What is that called? Um, it's not yarn. Because it's a little thicker. Uh, is it knitting or? No, it's um, um, some type of string that's metal made. <laughs> That's made. Oh, it's like made of metal. Wow. It's made of metal, yeah. And it has like this green outing to it that makes it soft, so you don't see the inside of it. I don't know. It's this string that's made of metal. I was like, <laughs> I'm thinking of chicken wire at this point. That's like uh, what some I type gr- of wire. Growing Thank up you. on the farm, <laughs> growing up on the farm, that's what we used a lot is chicken wire. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe fancy chicken wire. I don't know. <laughs> fancy chicken wire. It sounds. It, it had a protector. It sounds sexier you know? <laughs> than chicken wire. Chicken wire just sounds like what. What are, you, <laughs> what are you doing to those chickens with it? <laughs> um, so we got this wire for my cousin, and he just gave it to me, and I uh, started playing with the wire, started learning how to make a monkey frame, and then got the paper mache. Technically, we made about 20 monkey paper mache, <laughs> and we went to a whole street, and we just hung them all around the trees. It was fun. They lasted. The neighbors were taking pictures. They were sending them, like, we found a monkey. We took a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> And then sometimes they would bring them back to the pocket park right next to the station that we created. So it was just a, it was a great interactive piece. Um, it's just fun. Things like that, right? Yeah. Like, you don't it's almost think like a, a scavenger hunt kind of thing. Like, oh, there's the one I made. Uh, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, yes. And I didn't. So one of the things that I had with the interns is that they could not use brown. I oh, did not want them to have a regular monkey. I told them if we want them to stand out, they have to be different colors. People have to look at it and be like, what the heck were they thinking? Just <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to get lost out in the natures, you know. Yep, <laughs> neons, all these different colors. But it was fun. Like, they, I think they had fun doing it, and it's very memorable for all of us. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Urban Station created a space that helps us to like beautify the city, beautify the space. Um, but you're so part of, you're like part of Latino Arts Foundation. So like you as an artist, like what, what pull, cause you said you went to school and you were able to kind of like tap into that creativity and express it. And that was already aligned with what you've already been doing in the community. So how did you like find your first like moment of like self-expression and like a piece that you worked on? Was it like, was it always advocacy, like justice oriented? Was it like, I'm making a piece of art for art's sake and I'm doing it. I don't know if it was a mural uh, or if it, it's kind of a, a twist on the question I originally sent you, which was like, who's your inspirational artist who inspired your mural, you know, mural work. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but maybe there's, I don't know. You can, maybe that's in correlation with what art piece maybe you've made. I don't know. I'm just curious, like, Huh, that's a, so, oh, okay. I could have multiple (laughs) answers for this. (laughs) Please, I'd love it. So, um, 
if we're just talking about murals, because I think artwork, art in itself has just always been in me. My mom and my dad said that it was just the first thing that I kind of gravitated to. But as far as mural work, I really do have to give props to Steve. Steve was the one who pushed us. He taught us how to do um, freehand. Mm. And when I say freehand, it means like we don't, we use measurements. Don't get me wrong. We do use measurements and we get to kind of figure out, we do a lot of blocking. But in an essence, we don't use anything to make sure that it's a specific, you know, type of measurement. It's a lot more of like, okay, this looks good. We started off with, you know, doing small scales to then using chalk to do bigger scales on the street mm. and eventually got into a bigger um, canva- canvas that was the garages, the fences and all of these different things. So on that end, I want to say that Steve was the one who really taught us how to be creative creatively, mm-hmm. you know, not le- rely on the resources or on the tape measure or on the ruler it was more of like okay let's get what we know needs to go on certain places and then the rest of it just kind of pull it together we learned how to work with colors that way as well he would only get us primary colors so we learned how to mix and again all of these different things were so helpful for me <laughs> <laughs> that i'm redoing all of that now for the new programs but that's where i started my murals steve just kind of told us what would you want to do what are some things that you're good at that you can share with the community that you're willing to expose out there? And that's when we started the murals. It was mm. it was the sake of creating artwork in the beginning with the means of beautification. But I think with our mindsets were creating art to be able to have fun and eventually connected to the bigger impact that we were making. Once, um, so when I was in the art squad, Steve led us a lot, but when I was in college, I became the mobilizer, the main mobilizer for the group, mm. which meant that I was overseeing the project. So Epic Arts, all of those things um, kind of came in. And I think that's when I really started figuring out what that voice was for me. It wasn't somebody exposing me and telling me create. It was so like it was more of like, OK, so what do you want to say now? Mm. You're not just creating. That's good. What do you want to say? What do you want to pass on? What do you want to model? And that's, I think, in my early 20s is when I started really figuring out what do I want to say? And I had already been through all those experiences of college and citizenship and immigration statuses. So a lot of it did lean back on getting my voice heard, but then also community issues. So Mm. my first advocacy mural, per se, was about bees saving the bees and doing it creatively and getting that message out. And from there on, seeing that, it just opened the doors to like, okay, what else do I want to say? What do other people want to say? What do they want to hear? What are they seeing? And just kind of getting that being creative. So I've worked with 10-year-olds creating their own murals up to 25-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds. Um, as far as people who have inspired me with murals, once again, Steve, just for the exposure. But I think the second person is JT Daniels. JT Daniels is actually a local artist. Oh, really? And he's done a lot of the murals that you see now. He even had an exhibition at the Nelson for the testimonials. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my pets okay. are <laughs> rum- they're, 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 they're 
they're out there wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, he had an exhibition for testimonials during Black History Month. I think it was the first exhibition that was made for living black artists. Mm. So it was a big piece. But I actually met him years before he started doing all of this. And he used to come to the coffee shop like up on a hill and he would sit by the window and sketch. And Steve knew him obviously and they talked and eventually th- we got introduced and I talked to him one time. And he was amazing. He he was also very religious, too. So he talked about religion. Mm. He talked about um, he's Afro-Latino. Uh, I believe he's Afro-Latino or he's African-American and married to a Latina. Don't quote me. One of those two. <laughs> oh, he's listening to the show right now. Yeah. Judging <laughs> I was like, don't quote no, me. I'm, I'm sorry, JT. <laughs> <laughs> JT, we're so sorry. We don't want to miss ethnic, ethnicity to identify you. <laughs> but honestly, like it was just. It, I, honestly, it was the first person of color I that I saw that. doing things and just kind oh. of being so approachable and sociable and willing to share. And he was so humble. Like my biggest takeaway from him was how humble he was. And now to see everything that he's doing, but be able to say like, oh, my God, I met him as a normal human. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so cool. I, I still see what he does. I see the characters. I see the development. I see all his murals now in KCK, KCMO, and him going back to our high schools and teaching the students, everything. Like, to an extent, I want to be like, can I volunteer at those high schools that he's volunteering <laughs> like, with? Like, I'll be the assistant. <laughs> you're like fangirling over here. Yeah. Like, can I just go back to high school and meet JT? And he's I'm like, I'm a high school student. Uh, you could just come hang out with me. Be yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, so, okay, well, bet. That means I need to just find a way to you all to work on a mural project together. Yes. Because you're basically, I mean, I haven't seen his work, but I've seen yours. And I've worked with you firsthand. And it's like. I'm sure you've seen it. You yeah. probably don't know it yet. In the crossroads or like, what, do you know kind of what, what Yeah, of well, he has, a, he has some at the plaza. He has some in KCK down, the KCMO downtown and KTK downtown. The mm. Merc, the one okay. on the side, that's his. There's a couple around, actually, there's a couple in Rosedale, in the intersection of Rosedale, Johnson County, Missouri. Sure. I don't know what it's called, but all that intersection. Uh-huh. He has one there. And then, honestly, when we were at Gift, he had they had a couple of his. His wife works there. Oh, really? Yes. At Gift. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So. Oh, that comes full circle because, again, if y'all go check out our social media DocuCourse uh, on, on Instagram, we have a little time lapse of our mural project I got to I got to participate in, mainly yes. just because we poured the Oslin. We, <laughs> we forced her to basically make a whole mural art piece. In, in like, four days. In, like, four days. Yeah, it was like. <laughs> What did you say? It was like 400 hours, something crazy. If you added up all the people and oh, that four day and those four days or something, it's not, maybe not. It wasn't 400. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my math doesn't add no, up very can't. well. You know, It was what? Five of us. And for three days, we all worked for five hours. So five times five, 35 hours in it just for two yeah, to three like 400 days. 400 basically. You yeah. know, <laughs> and then the last day and then the day of that I went in at 5 a.m. Yeah, you went at, you, yeah, you went at the, the butt crack of dawn to go oh, finish it. And you and did it, it in done. time. You, everyone can go <laughs> check out the time lapse video. You can see uh, the kind of mural party reveal we had. And, and uh, it got done. 
It got done. It and got then, done. It was great, too. I, I got to know a lot more about you. <laughs> yeah. You guys got to meet me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I learned about your, your, your aggressive need for coffee. See? Yes. And uh, I, I learned. Yeah. And that's what's funny is like, yeah, when you get your pals together and all of a sudden people are hangry and they're oh, you know, man. this and yeah. that. And you're like. We all we all have some growth and, and character development through the process. <laughs> on top of, you did great though. You yeah, you had a great spirit. You. You're keeping the, the kids, you know, high energy, you know. Yeah, uh, I just amazing. I just remember the there was a funny moment. Again, this feels like another pray for Micah moment where <laughs> I'm on top of this ladder at like, you know, seven feet up in the air. Me and my like two hundred and eighty pound self, I'm like up above you know, a little short deocelin and she's down at the bottom part of the ladder and my legs are shaking because I've been standing there. I've been standing there for like 45 minutes to an hour with like my hands up and, and Dale's just like, are you okay? Like, and I'm just like, my like, legs are vibrating the ladder and I'm just like, uh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just like trying to tough it through it, like trying to get reach the top, reach the high points. And I'm like, probably should have got down it earlier and taken a break. Uh, yeah. You're like, are you sure you don't need a break, Michael? I didn't fall on you though. You and did that's, not. That's, Nobody did. We can thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, like in another universe, I fell on top of you and crushed you, and there was no more deocelin. <laughs> there was no more. Oh, it was fun. It Rest was fun. Rest in peace. <laughs> crushed by a Micah. <laughs> And there she lies. <laughs> <laughs> May she rest in peace. Instead of being a memorial for <laughs> promotion, it was going to be a memorial memorial mural. <laughs> hey, if you kept me alive, though, you know, you broke my fall. Thank you. Yeah. In, the, in, that, in that universe, you kept me alive. Uh, no, but it was fun. We had some good meals that week, you guys. We're not going to lie. We yeah. went to go eat all, almost every other day. Every day, I think, we went to go eat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, where was we got the... Oh, we got the chicken and waffles. Yes. Well, what's it called? <laughs> Love is like, Love is key. Love is key. Everybody go check it out. Local Pancake right. mix. Yeah, pancake mix, chicken and waffles, great spot over on Troost. Um, yeah, it was such a good time. And again, to just experience like what your process. I was like, wow, we did this whole like five days of shooting a documentary about your life where you're sharing stories about how that kind of looks, but then like a forcing you to do it in four days and <laughs> gift. I was like, oh, I get to experience it with fault. you. <laughs> it's like, well, I never thought this would be my job part. Of, you know, I'm like here to shoot video and record it. And they're like, oh, looks like I'm painting now. I'm <laughs> getting... <laughs> so oh, I love man. that incorporation, though, where it's like, I, I don't know, even going back to your your um, your friend, JT, uh, <laughs> your homie. Uh, but just think like you were talking about his humility. And that same kind of approach where like, you know what you're doing now. You've been doing this a minute. You you have these skills and trade to like hand off to these kids, but making it like approachable, not like that humility of giving like an open kind of gateway to like, this is something that you can do and not make it like this. I don't know, like, oh, it's so out of reach yeah. kind of feeling. Yeah. I think so many people feel that way with art. You know what I mean? They're just like, oh, I... I see this great mural of this person or this sketch of this city, part of the city, and I can't do that, you know? Yeah. And you've done a great job of just making that a part of like, hey, you can do this in your life too. And yeah, that's just cool. That's really neat. Thank you. I try to make it fun. I try to make it fun. And I hope that you guys had fun in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I had a lot of fun, even though, you know, there were some stressful moments when I saw that the day was getting close. I'm like, oh, this is not done. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you were planning for it. You were like, OK, when this is all done, I'm getting my massage. I'm yeah. getting <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And my dog got sick that week. It was just it was a week. Oh, yeah. How is your pup? Yeah. It's good. She's you know, she's alive and kicking. Just cost me a couple thousand dollars. That oh, week, Jesus. You know, but it's OK. Holy it's okay. cow. Just a couple grand. No Just big a deal. couple grand, you know. Just had to like take alive. out a loan. <laughs> like. <laughs> it goes in my credit card. I think we'll be fine. <laughs> no, she's she's good. Um, thankfully she has insurance. My job is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> 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 but she has insurance, so that helped out a ton. But yeah, it was. She, if you guys don't know, dogs can get pneumonia. Mm. So she got pneumonia, and that's where we had to treat her. But overall, honestly, like. It was good. I felt very supported. Like, honestly, it was so funny. I think involving Be Great Together's team, Rocky mm-hmm. Force team, and then the teenagers. That was the funnest thing. Having um, Jaquel and Anisha pick on Abe. Oh, yeah. Telling him that he needed to pick up a brush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Abe was, was really there. good at, like, standing there and, like, you know, telling us what to do. It's like, oh, get over here, Abe. Get a, get a part of this process, yeah. you know? But he did, he, you know, we all did great. We all did great. We all had our fun times. We all put our music on. <laughs> that Bad Bunny never laughed. <laughs> we had Bad Bunny fans. Oh, in yeah. <laughs> Juliana is a real Bad Bunny fan. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I learned from that too, experience, too. Oh, yeah. And Anisha. <laughs> oh, we learned that our friends have charcuterie skills. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we learned man. a lot of good things that that week. Yeah, it was. A, it was. Wow. Yeah, it was a really, a really good week. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Gift, that's uh, generating income for tomorrow. They're just a friend organization, South KC, and they uh, support black businesses. So the mural yeah. was around black wealth. Exactly. And, and it was cool because, yeah, just seeing, seeing the whole process because I was with you when we were like doing basically a listening kind Session. of, a, yeah, with them and kind of getting keywords and what, and so folks who are kind of part of that group, part of that community expressing like hey here's what you know this is what means a lot to us and you just taking notes and then you're like okay here are some sketches and yeah. so <laughs> i imagine you probably like jt do you do you have a spot where you go to like a coffee shop and you like work on the sketches and like hang out by a window do you, what's your favorite no, sketch I, don't. I need to though i need to get out there actually i have spaces at home that i have created for my creative spaces okay <laughs> So I do have a room at home that I have all my artwork, all my, like my home is decorated with my art too. So I just kind of try to create this vibe at my own home that I can definitely work from and just have my inspiration. Um, so yeah, I do everything from home mainly. <laughs> kind of your sacred spaces. Yep. I put on music, make it a vibe. You light some candles, light some, some incense. candles, some incense. <laughs> have that wine bottle right next to me. <laughs> hey, that's, that's all the creative juices I need. <laughs> I, I love it. Literal creative yeah. juices, you know. Got that wine, you know. Yep, Pretty and then just listening to like you know people's story. Honestly, sometimes if I need a lot of creativity, I've actually have bought coloring books. So when I cannot okay. think of my own stuff, I just start coloring and, you know, huh. eventually it starts just coming up to like, oh, OK, I can do this. I can do that. But it sometimes it takes a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I experienced that, too, just with writing. Like mm-hmm. the men, I, I before I even write, sometimes I'll just take 23 minutes to read just 
just because the act of reading gets me yeah. primed of just seeing words on a page and how they're phrasing or setting a scene and like, okay, I'm going to take a, you know, so I don't know. I, I always try to like spend time writing. Like I try to pair reading and writing together. Yeah. Um, it's just good practices. You know, sometimes yeah. you need those words from somebody else or that image from somebody else, artwork, photography, whatever it is. <laughs> right. Just to like start priming the brain to like mm-hmm. be in that space. Cause Yes. Like even though I work in marketing and public relations every day and I see, you know, I'm doing a lot of visual, creative or written communication stuff. It's like, you know, it's a different um, expression of creativity versus trying to do narrative storytelling kind of creative stuff. Exactly. I agree with you. There's different levels of creation, whether it's music, whether it's mm-hmm. image photography flyers even flyers take creativity (laughs) but no i i yeah i'm thinking about (laughs) it now and i'm just like yeah i really do surround myself with art when i'm creating art yeah (laughs) you're like get the coloring books out yeah get get what i need to get out the music a lot of instrumental yeah i don't do lyrics during those moments i do a lot of instrumental all right who's Mm -hmm. who are some of your like top playlists or artists on those playlists like Honestly, it's a oh that would be that's a that's a I'm for I'm gonna be horrible answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just put Pandora on YouTube and look for instrumental playlists and okay. kind of let them guide the experience. Like more like uh, classical, like instrumental, or like I could do either, but I usually try to go for modern instrumental, okay. so things that I can identify, but then just hearing it from a different you know tune. Yeah. Without the lyrics. It's different. I don't know how to explain it, but it's different. Totally. No, I do the same thing with my writing. Like, and I'm working on like more of a sci-fi kind of fictional story. And so I have just over the last couple of years been like, I don't know, when I watch a certain show that's kind of got like a more of a sci-fi, I'm like, oh, I really like this soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I like start using those songs and I add it, add it I call it my simulation uh, playlist because my book's about <laughs> simulation theory so it's like <laughs> all right i'm gonna have some weird kind of robot sound <laughs> like i don't know how to describe it it's uh but you know i'm in the mode when i'm in that writing mode when you if you walk in and hear that playlist you're like oh, that's your it, vibe it sounds weird that's your sound. Yeah, this yeah. Is, is, so mike is losing his mind okay <laughs> he's, in a, he's in a weird space uh nope just creative being writing um, I'm curious, um, cause you were sharing a little bit about growing up as a pastor's kid. Yeah. yeah My yeah. heart resonates with that. Oh man. And, <laughs> um, I'm just curious with your like community work and your focus on advocacy and, and justice and obviously using art as a vehicle to kind of uh, expose these issues or mm-hmm. bring to light about what you care about. Um, it can be really exhausting to do all that. And especially if you always feel like a, maybe an art piece has to like carry a heavy message about, you know, whatever mm-hmm. uh, police brutality or whatever the thing might be, try to bring awareness to with all that. And then I'm, I'm assuming with being a part of all the foundations work and all the stuff, everyone pulling at you every direction, like, what do you use to, like, anchor yourself? Like, do you have, like, a spiritual practice or, like, a form of faith that you use to 
kind of ground you when you're trying to, uh, I don't know, not lose that creative self in the midst of this chaotic world. Oh my <laughs> <Yes>. God. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's like the worst interview question. I just spent like two paragraphs. No, like, you're okay. You're paragraphs. okay. I get you. I get you. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I said you know, these things beforehand. I'm like, yeah, it's probably going to be a jumbled version of this, but, but it's going to be, it's going to be around this. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be around this, this question. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, with everything, it has its sides, right? So, I definitely do say that I'm a very spiritual person. I believe in God. Um, I just don't believe in the interpretation of God's word. Hmm. Um, like, like the scripture, like the biblical word. Um, Like, honestly, no, even scripture I do. But I understand that we are all humans and we all are going to interpret that book differently. Yeah. Right. Some people are going to see X, Y, C things about it. And that's what they're going to highlight and focus. Some people are going to see this other version and some people are going to see this portion. And, you know, everybody kind of the beauty of it. Everybody gets to interpret what they read. But at the same time, unfortunately, I've seen how some people have taken their interpretation and kind of put that demand on that interpretation like interpreting definition like this is what they interpret out of it so this is what we should believe and this is how we should act and this is how it's gonna be because that's what the word of god says right mm-hmm. um and you know it kind of can even be broken down between the old testament and the new testament because it's a huge difference when you read both of those um right. like everything it has this history it has this process it has this learning lessons right but with that said, <laughs> with that said, I am very spiritual. I do believe in God. So I think that has been always carried within me. My parents, you know, I grew up in church. That's what my culture and tradition kind of stated for me since the very young age. Like I, I mentioned, I was mentioning to you, Mike, I couldn't even wear pants when I was in Guatemala. It all had to be dresses, very proper. And when mm. I got here, things, yeah, <laughs> things. Yeah, sorry. No, I just was thinking, like, yeah, just culturally how religion can, like, I, you never think about, like, oh, and everyone here doesn't wear pants <laughs> yeah. because religion. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's, you know, it's those little things, like, they weren't saying you couldn't wear them outside of church. It's just when you went to church, this is how you presented yourself. I see. It yeah. was that I have always was taught um, if you can, you know, if you can dress up for XYZ event, you can dress up for church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an event as well. So, you know, that very much ideal and tradition and kind of upbringing. Um, always had it. And I've never really doubted the word of God or the love of God. I just doubted the people interpreting it. Sure. <laughs> I saw the people acting and reacting um, to XYZ things. So, yeah, um, I, I had a rough time in religion trying to figure out what that meant for me when I was having those experiences. But I think throughout it all, it was that saying of what would Jesus do Hmm. that kept coming back into mind. And I had a really good conversation with one of my mentors and we talked about, you know, what about if Jesus was here in our modern days today? Would he really be at the churches or would he be out in the communities doing Murals and alleyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? They'd be out there gathering the, the you youths. Know? Doing pocket parks, <laughs> doing all these different things. So You're basically it. Jesus. To <laughs> no, You're, no. To me, no. to me. Not are. at all. No. <laughs> Not at all. I, but. I'll worship you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um it was it was I think 
that conversation really hit with me because there was a point in my life that I was like, oh, I'm not going to church. I'm not, I don't truly believe in it. I doubt this. I doubt that. But then when I had that conversation and I started seeing like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like my acts of services are the way that I portray my religion, the way that Mm -hmm. I portray my upbringing, my um, values, what I believe is important. That's that's where it's all kind of rooted from. You know, my parents were missionary workers. And to an extent, I feel like I do missionary work in such a different way. Yeah, I've never put religion down somebody's throat because i've seen how much more people are pushed away from it it just you know if they naturally comes it naturally comes i have friends who do not believe in religion at all and guess what they're one of my closest friends because yeah. they respect my belief i respect their belief um you know i sometimes i'd be like oh my god pray to god and i'm like oh pray to the universe <laughs> you know sure things like that it's just at the very end, the other thing that my parents always told me was that if I sought for God, that was the main thing. No matter what religion, what, um, you know, denomination I was, as long as I was following God. So with, with those values really installed in me, I think when I feel weakened, roughed, or, um, you know, out of shape, out of, out of line, out of, yeah, everything that can come through all this work and people working as well. People services are really hard sometimes. All the energy that you're taking in. I really do just pray. I'm like, <laughs> really pray. Pray for Lynn, y'all. Pray, pray for Lynn. <laughs> pray for Lynn. <laughs> pray for Lynn. But I really do just pray and kind of have that moment of like, all right, um, things are rough. Kind of go through that whole meditation process of things have been worse and I've been able to survive and God doesn't give you what you can handle type thing and Mm. trying to see that bigger picture. It's taken a lot. I have a lot of good friends that are social workers that also help (laughs) ground me. (laughs) Shout out to Oscar and Megan. (laughs) All right. Oscar and Megan. Because they're the ones that, um, and I want to say my best friend Oscar, he's the one who's truly has seen me go through rough things at times through most of my life and kind of call down and like, hey, it's okay if you're going to be like in this mood. But I can't allow you only being in this mood for a day. <laughs> then I need you to like get back up. And honestly, those words do help yeah. because he wasn't invalidating me. He was telling me like, I know you're going to feel like this, but I can't have you stuck. And, and that's basically being God to you, right? Like yeah. That's just how it feels like sometimes it's like, yeah, when you have that connection to a divine kind of experience, like something that like understands what you're going through. Yeah. You know, a, a and giving yourself that grace and empathy that, hey, it's okay. Like, it's yep. going to be okay. And um, and that's how we can be God to each, each other. other. You yes. Know? You know how it says that God uses us as tools? Me and my best friends talk about that all the time, too. It's like, yeah, we're, you know, if God is everywhere and almighty and in everything, then who's to say he's not talking to us right now? Right. Right? Or different things like that. So I think... My friends and family are a huge, you know, safe spot for me. I really do harbor in them when things are rough. And then when I really, really, really need it, I do get into that quiet space. I listen to a lot of For King and Country. <laughs> That's crazy you say I that. I love them. They're good, yo. <laughs> They're really shout good. Out, Check them out. Shout out to them. They have Sh- concerts. <laughs> My friend Andrew Sexton, I'll, he's been on the show He's a graphic design artist. He's doing work for them. 
really? for king and country. He's literally producing. I can't remember what he's doing. Some graphic design work for promotion around their their stuff. So they're good. I, I, I like that's <laughs> like, so. What a small. I don't know. That's just not a small coincidence. World, but yeah, right? just a coincidence. <laughs> like wow, it must be God. <laughs> 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 But yeah, like you know, things like that. Like I've, I've definitely had my times in religion that has made me doubt. But I always remember, like these are the good things that I can take away from religion, right? The mm-hmm. good portions of the concert, the good messages, the good vibes, the good feelings, the good values out of everything. So yeah, that's that's my grounding spot. That's yeah. my grounding spot. Yeah, I I don't recall offhand who this is like an actual quote from somebody or but just. I've just heard it say stated somewhere that things like art and music and creativity are the closest things in this dimension, in this world, where we can scratch at the veil and potentially peek behind to see glimpses of God. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like, has there ever been, like, a moment where whether you experienced an art piece or heard a song or music or just something that it was just like almost overwhelming how much you felt that connection to the divine. You felt the connection to the essence of it all. I know <laughs> not to like Ooh. make it a heavy, big question. Go to church. Yeah. This <laughs> is, Hey, amen. Praise be. You know? <laughs> Micah's church. This is, the, this is the pray for Micah church. Oh, you don't think I have thought about it? You know, uh, yeah, I, can, uh, I can imagine. Oh, yeah. I've, 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 <laughs> you groups, everything. You I'm can a, build everything. I'm going to start a cult. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to like get people together and like just do psychedelics <laughs> out in the woods. That's what I tell people. That'll be my church. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You guys will have trips. <laughs> you, will, you will have trips. You will You will experience. You will scratch that veil and you will rip it off the wall. And <laughs> It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'll hold your hand through it. You know, I'll play guitar. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, so to your question. Yeah, you can yes. take a minute if you need to like think about. It. I was just like, has there like I just know, and it doesn't even have to be art. It could right. be like, it could be like, I don't know, something in nature. Like I know for me, this last fall when I went to North Carolina on a trip. Oh, it's beautiful in North Carolina. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. so gorgeous out there, and I was on like a solo kind of trip, just vacation, and there was just a day where I had like a you know. I get up and I can leave my campsite and kind of set my own schedule. But I decided to go ahead and uh, go to one of the tall mountain peaks, like within an hour or so from where I was camping. And um, <clears throat> that night it had gotten really cold. Like it had dropped down to like, oh, 30 degrees, 29. It wasn't like it was freezing temperatures, but it was mainly the cold wind going up these high mountains. That, And it was like fall. So it was like October. So all the leaves on the way up were all these brilliant multicolored Skittles is what I tell people. It was just like just Skittle colors. Reminded you know, me of miles. the colors of the wind for Pocahontas. Colors <laughs> of the wind. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> yes, it was all of that. But then what was crazy is as I got almost to the very top overlook where all the cars were going to park, as I'm like proceeding up, the trees started to change to like white. And mm-hmm. I, at first I thought they were like dead. I was like really confused. And then I realized they're frosted. It's not even snow. So like what had happened was overnight, 
all the cold wind coming up the mountain slopes from the valley had like frozen the dew on the leaves. So all the, it was like all these multicolored leaves still attached to the tree, but now they're frozen. And it was just like something I'd never seen before. Like I've yeah. seen like snow on trees. I've seen like, you snow know, on trees, just whatever, <laughs> whatever, you know, yeah. You're, you, as you describe it, it's just cold wetness. Like, yeah. But like seeing trees that are like frozen in place kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it was almost like a time capsule. Hmm. You know what I mean? It was like a, a like a, a trapped moment of like, but then it's thousands of trees. So you're at the top and I'm like, I've got a videos of me panning over and it's like, Again, it just looks aesthetically interesting and weird because it's not snow. It's just frost-covered trees that are white now. And I cried. Like, I literally teared up and, like, had this emotional moment of, like, okay, this is this feels like God in this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, again, it doesn't have to be attached to a, a religion or a d- deity. Just in this moment, I feel connected to the oneness that holds all of this moment together because I'm experiencing beauty in its essence. Like I am the universe yeah. looking back at itself at these trees mm-hmm. in this moment. So that's. Oh man. Well, you put was, it like, now I have a now hundred have of to things. Be, in now you have to be that, that story. No, I know. <laughs> I've never seen frozen leaves like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Oh man. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I don't know if I can top that story. But no, it doesn't have to be. I was just curious if you've ever... <laughs> can we edit your story out? Yeah, no, yeah. We can, we can delete mine. I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. That was a beautiful story. Yeah, Now thanks. I kind of want to see the video. I'll show it to you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe while I'm, maybe in the YouTube video, if you guys all watch it, I'll maybe... Put a little snippet Maybe if you all are real good. If you <laughs> listeners are real real good, I'll, I'll, I'll put the video in there so you guys can see what I was talking At about. At the very end, so they can hear the whole story. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. So, okay. I think when I think about music, definitely Christian music, I think anything that I can think of as I was growing up, um, you know, songs, hymns that just really hit. There's this song called Sumérgeme in Spanish. Okay. Sumérgeme. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to say it right in English. Are you going <laughs> to sing it for us? That's no. what I want to know now. No, I'm not a singer, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm saving you guys from a lot of bad ear <laughs> ear notes. So, <laughs> merheme um, means like when some, you think about when somebody baptizes you, they um, some, submerge you. Yeah. Yeah. They dunk you. <laughs> they dunk you they in. Just... The, but that, that moment of being put under the water. Yeah. I, I don't know. In Spanish, it's sumerje, like sumerger alguien. So, the song is called Sumerjeme. And it enti- like it talks about that, you know, that whole feeling of anoint me, make me whole again. And for some reason, I just remember that song from my childhood so much when my dad was building this bilingual church with another pastor. And anytime I hear it, um, it's just I cry. <laughs> wow. I cry like a baby. There's another one. Um, e- there's a couple of songs that I can think of that are very Christian based, religious based that it just. It just hits some other way. Hmm. Now, as far as artwork, yes. Um, And this was very interesting because I learned this just in my 20s, a few years ago. I went through a really tough patch in my life and I hadn't been doing a lot of artwork. So this year, this particular year, my friend had got me a sketchbook. She got me a couple of them, actually. And 
I decided to, you know, just get back into my artwork. And I was drawing all these different things. And one day I showed my friend, you know, I shared it maybe months later, years later, when I was in a way better headspace. And she would always tell me like, oh, you should write. So you should think your, you know, your thoughts out, processing that. I'm like, no, I don't like writing. It's not my thing. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, it's more work for me because <laughs> my brain, my ESL brain is not, <laughs> I don't know what language I want to write in. <laughs> but when she saw my artwork, my sketchbook, she said, oh my gosh, she goes, this is like your diary. She goes, this is everything. You know, mm. I started explaining to her everything that I was feeling when I was creating and I didn't realize I was telling my own story to an extent. Through images. Through images, oh, right? That's cool. And when she said that, I think I had this moment of, huh, this is, you know, that, that wholesome moment, that divine yeah. moment of being like, my gift is actually talking to me and I'm actually growing through my gifts, you know, through my skills. That was a really cool, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Like it was just like a, you know, like sacred a, moment. It's just, yeah, yeah, it was just a moment that it clicked that I'm like, ah, uh-huh, huh. And I really started seeing more of my sketchbooks after I drawing them and just understand what I'm feeling that I didn't know I was feeling. Now, as far as views, I love views. Like everything that you just said right now with the whole, you know, climbing to this place and seeing all this beautiful, um, sites that you otherwise wouldn't see if you didn't do this i do that a lot with my friends we've gone and um you know gone to different sites different views even oceans well you just went to yeah you went home to guatemala yeah we went to this view that was one kilometer up and one kilometer down i did not prepare for that (laughs) (laughs) we were struggling (laughs) y'all we were struggling but i was able to experience it and yeah those moments are just breathtaking of being like how are people creating this? How do they imagine this? How is this artwork up here? How are dogs up here? <laughs> <laughs> I literally was thinking, I'm like, how are they? How are y'all up here? And they how were, did you get these animals up here? <laughs> for real. And they were sleeping and everything. They were just, you know, part of whatever was going on. Wow. So, yeah. I think those moments when I do those climbs or I see those specific views that do take a little bit of hard work to get to. Yeah. Those are definitely moments of like, huh, this is good. This is a good space. Like you said, it's just taking that, taking all that in and truly seeing it for what it is. And also feeling this small. Right. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm probably an ant that I see. You know, when I'm seeing down, I see this little ant. And I'm like, whatever. That's probably me right there in the whole universe. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Whether it's art or something like yeah like amazing beautiful views just how suddenly small and, and like what is that what where, why does that feeling always arise like it's just an interesting i've experienced that even just with art like yeah. or, like being at the nelson atkins museum oh like there's so much amazing art and sculptures and just realizing how old this stuff is thousands of years old or hundreds you know and you just realize like oh if i'm lucky i'll be here for 80 you know (laughs) i'll be yeah i'll I'll walk in this planet for existence for 80 years of it but this painting or this thing has been around for 600 or 1200 years or older and you just suddenly realize how small and (laughs) yeah significant slash insignificant you are you know (laughs) yeah 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 exactly it's 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 a weird feeling but it's a good feeling at the same time it goes back to humbling 
you know it's just like okay my problems are not that big <laughs> i saw this uh one of these tiktok videos where these like group of kids had some money <clears throat> and they decided to encase and enshrine a cheetos bag like they basically spent all this money to make a earthquake proof and like like flood proof like encasement that they buried and it something theoretically could last uh, like thousands of years mm-hmm. and they just suspended a bag of <laughs> flaming cheetos <laughs> so that if future aliens or like, future what species is what is this it's in this language I don't understand. It must be really important because they put this bag in here and they suspended it to make sure it wouldn't like be effect. If I have the money and resources, Yasin, <laughs> I would take one of your art pieces and I would do the same process. And I would just be like, you know what? Let's make this last for, you know, 10,000, you know, 50,000 years. <laughs> I would probably help you in that process. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be fun? Put like, a picture of us in there. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's just like, why not? Like, it's, you know, it's like a time capsule thing, but it's like, they actually made it, like, weatherproof and, like... It's going to last. It's going to last for some, like, glass... For hot Cheetos, you guys. Hot for Cheetos. hot Cheetos. <laughs> like, god damn. Like, and that's what, I guess that's the spectacle of it, right? That's how they're, these... Next thing you know, the aliens are going to find a TikTok. <laughs> yeah, they're going to, like, what is this TikTok? This thing that these people, these these little this apes... This is what they were doing. This is what these <laughs> apes really liked, this thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, it'll be the robots that they'll come and meet. The AI who take over and kill us all. So that's why I'm like, yeah, before that happens, let's, let's enshrine some art in the ground, you know? Make it real, real. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dioslin, for this year, it's 2023... Speaking of like art and projects, you got any like community events or projects you're working on? Anything you'd like to give some to. honorable mentions to? Yes, yes, actually. So I'm doing a couple murals um, in partnership with DocuCourse and we great together. Okay. So those are really cool things of just being able to be in new communities and figure out what that can entail. And honestly, having really good partners, because you guys, I've never experienced being treated really nice. (laughs) 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 You know, know, I don't have to carry my paint or brushes, nothing like that. Not even full treatment. Not even the latter. (laughs) 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 That's amazing. So um, honestly, really looking forward for those two. We have one in St. Teresa's Academy coming up. Okay. And the students already have their design. And then we have one in UMKC. And hopefully we get to develop that one out soon in the next couple of weeks. Besides that, check out the Latino Arts Festival. That's going to happen on September 23rd of this year. Okay. It's going to be pretty big. We're going to have a lot of low riders. We're going to have amazing artists, DJs, uh, poets. We're going to be doing workshops for writers. So writers workshops, they're all going to be free. We're going to do pop-ups at the West Bottoms. Every last Friday, starting on April, all the way until October. <laughs> and um, a couple art camps here and there. And overall, um, I think personally, I my biggest goal is just to be able to continue to sustain what I'm doing and hopefully not pay it out of my own pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully somebody else carries your paint cans for you. Yes. Yeah, you're like, you know, that's, that's, that's your living the nice bougie treatment. Like, that's that's your, your living... You're living the real good life at that point. Yes. I was like, can this can happen? (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't have to what? I don't have to carry this in my car anymore. You guys, my car has paint everywhere. Oh, I imagine. <laughs> I imagine. I bet your house, too. I bet you, even when you don't notice, there's probably little speckles here and there. All my the... clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice, yeah, with my outfits from those couple days, I was like, I thought I was being really careful. And I'm like, got little nope. streaks of yellow here and there. <laughs> like, you always find them somewhere, somehow. <laughs> well, it's just a little little remembrance little totem thing to kind of harken back to good times so. yes yes and yeah so yep that's what i'll be doing i'll be focusing on that and then urban station and urban works is going to continue to partner up with these organizations and amazing sponsors that help us do all of this work all of these projects all of these events for the community yeah and where can folks find you online for both personal and if you want to th- throw out some uh, links for urban works or yeah. social media um so you honestly guys if you guys look up urban works um llc you guys will find it on instagram and on facebook there's no extra added wordage it's just urban works llc and besides that you can find me the Oslin taunt i promise you guys my name is very unique <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is so it will pop up um very long name but the Austin Top will come up on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is where I try to post a lot of my projects. And if you want to see my current, just things that I'm doing, a, you know, everyday type thing, Facebook is where you'll find a lot of the Facebook events and a lot of the flyers and photos of all the projects I do. Right. And for sure, also go to docucourse.org. Watch her yes. whole documentary. We got into some of her story today, but in more of a like the like thematic, I don't know, film aesthetic. You get to really experience all the people and the stories that she was just sharing about, all the folks who've kind of surrounded and supported her through her journey. So Yes. Yes. Cool check experience. out DocuCourse. Well, everybody, you all know to check out Pray for Micah Pod on your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the socials. Send your prayers in, prayers for the people. Hopefully it's a new thing we'll start trying to do here on the show. We want to hear some funny, embarrassing stories uh, that you have. And so send an email to uh, prayformicapod at gmail.com. Maybe you'll get featured on the show. So till next time. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Pray for Micah. Pray for, and always be praying for Micah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining me for the Pray for Micah podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. And Check out my YouTube channel and follow me on social media. Pray for Micah Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll see you next time. You are now re-entering the normal world. 